jump up and down, that you scream, or if you're a boy, you yell. Like, you just get so excited. I want you to think about it. All right, now here's what I'm going to do. I got a video. I'm not going to show it yet. I'm, I'm going to set it up. So we got to see earlier this week, it was Wednesday night, somebody in the church, we got to see joy and excitement. And I want to share it with you, and I want to share it with everybody else. So everybody, all kids, you got to find a screen. It's a short little video, and I have permission to do this. All right, sound crew, hit it. so I had to show that video so I thought man what can I do to like work that into the service without it just being like what so so all right so here's what I asked you what makes you excited so what I loved about that video that Miss Ryan recorded is when Ann walks out you see her get excited but you have no idea what she's getting excited about and you're probably thinking oh my goodness Curtis has just bought her a new car <laughs> or or maybe like there's a family member she hadn't seen in a while and like she's so excited or maybe Mr. Curtis is all dressed up like he is today with flowers and he never does that. And Ann's like, oh my goodness, what has Curtis done? Like, you would think it was something really exciting. But what did she get excited about? What did they do to her car? What was on it? Toilet paper. They, they TP'd her car and she got so excited. You're like, why would you get that excited? Because here's the thing, some of you don't know this about Miss Ann. She has been waiting and waiting for somebody to toilet paper something of hers. We were... We were going to do her house, and that didn't work out because of the rain and the mud. And so we, the youth did the car, and, and it was perfect, her reaction. And what you saw out of Miss Ann is pure joy. Not something I would have got excited about, but she got excited about it, and it was pure joy. And there is something else in our hearts that ought to bring pure joy. What are we celebrating today? Easter. What happened on Easter? What do we celebrate? Jesus rose from the grave. So I want to read, if everybody will listen, it's just a couple pages. I want to read a story from this really cool Bible that I just got. By the way, parents, if you like it, it's called The Biggest Story Bible by Kevin DeYoung. A lot of cool pictures in here. Um, and he clarifies in the front, this is not a Bible. This is a story Bible. So he says if you're going to choose between the Bible or the story Bible, read the Bible. But if you want something to help with that, this is it. So I'll read and I'll show you all the pictures. Jesus knew he was going to die and that he wouldn't stay dead. Friday was dark and sad. Saturday was stone-cold silent. But Sunday, the third day, was not just another day or another week. It was another age. A new time had begun. The biggest story had turned a page. The world would never be the same. At the break of day, Mary Magdalene and a group of women went to the tomb. They thought they would find Jesus there and put perfume on his dead body. What they found instead was a complete surprise. On the outside of the tomb, the stone had been rolled away, and on the inside of the tomb, there was no Jesus. See that? The tomb, empty. There's nobody on the inside, right? All right, so let's continue. The women wondered what this meant, but before they could think very long, two angels, as bright as the sun, stood by them. Why do you seek the living among the dead? The angels asked. Jesus is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Then the women remembered that Jesus had said that he would be raised on the third day. They had not understood what this meant, but now they did. The slithering serpent had not won after all. Death had been defeated. The wages of sin had been paid for. The long-awaited snake crusher had kept his promise, and all the promises of God would be forever kept in him. I see that? we got one more page. Beautiful. Thanks, Malachi. Mary and the other women ran back to tell the disciples what they had seen and heard. At first, the disciples didn't believe them. A dead man back to life? What a fairy tale, they thought. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb to see for himself whether the good news was too good to be true. When he arrived at the tomb, it was even more amazing than he had dared to hope. Peter hurried into the tomb and found nothing but grave clothes. Jesus wouldn't be needing those anymore. He wasn't dead any longer, and he wouldn't be dead ever again. In the days and weeks ahead, Jesus appeared to the disciples several times in a room, along the road, on the beach, making breakfast. 
He even appeared to more than 500 of his followers at one time. God raised Jesus from the dead, and plenty of people saw him with their own two eyes. The light of the world was still shining. The bread of life was still alive. The true vine was the first fruits of a new hope. It turns out the best news in the history of the world was too good not to be true. All right, let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for each of these boys and girls who are here. Father, their family that brought them. God, thank you for folks like Kevin DeYoung and, and many other men and women, Father, who have written incredibly helpful Bible storybooks. Bible storybooks that still captivate us as adults, but also captivate us as children. Father, we thank you that the resurrection is true, that it is a fact, that it is news that has forever changed the world. It is, it is too good not to be true, and it is too good for us to keep it for ourselves. So, Father, thank you for the joy. And if anyone here today is lacking that joy, may you give them that joy, Jesus, that only you can give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can go back and find your parents. And if everybody else will stand, we're going to sing Up From the Grave He Arose. Is that correct? he lives, we can face tomorrow. Always remember that. God sent his son. They called him Jesus. He came is worth 
Because he lives, then when one day I'll cross that river, I'll find life's final war with pain, and then as death gives way to seated.
Praise the Lord. Wonderful job, choir. Thank you so much. All right, so we do have children's church uh, this morning, but it's actually only for our three- and four-year-olds, our kindergarten through second grade. You all are going to hang out in here with us today. So preschoolers, three-, four-year-olds, you may make your way to the back for children's church. Everybody else, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Many of you in this room have heard of Joni Erickson Tata. In fact, I've talked about her before. She was in an accident when she was 17 years old. Ever since, she has been a quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down. And since then, most of her life has been confined to a wheelchair. Once, she was at a convention in which the speaker urged people to get down on their knees and pray. Everyone did, except Joni, because she was unable to. With everyone kneeling, she said, I certainly stood out, and I couldn't stop the tears. But it wasn't because of self-pity. She was crying because the sight of hundreds of people on their knees before God was so beautiful. She said, a picture of heaven. And then she continued weeping at another thought. Sitting there, she said, I was reminded that in heaven I will be free to jump up, dance, kick, and do aerobics. And sometime before the guests are called to the banquet table at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. I will quietly kneel at the feet of Jesus. And then she adds, I with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. And then she says this, can you imagine the hope that the resurrection gives someone who is spinal cord injured like me? Since the age of 17, unable to do what you and I take for granted every day, and it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of a future resurrected body that gives Joni hope every day. The good news of the resurrection changes everything. And it's only in the gospel of Jesus Christ that people like you and me and Joni find such enormous hope to live. So this morning, we turn our attention through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, I'll ask you to please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy, inspired, authoritative, sufficient word of God. Beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Oh, Father, this morning, this very room has been filled with the praises of your people. And right now I believe that this very room is filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Spirit of God, move freely in this place. We heard testimonies this morning in the sunrise of many people who, whether through a Good Friday service or an Easter service, came to give their life to Jesus. Their confession became, Jesus Christ died for me and has now been raised from the dead. 
If anyone today does not believe, they have not given their life to you, may today be a day of salvation. Anyone who walked into this room feeling hopeless or depressed or beat up, feeling no sense of purpose, Father, may today be a day of great joy as they're reminded of the hope that they have in Jesus. And Father, for every single one of us, may it just be a reminder of your power and your love and that we are to give ourselves wholly to you. May you be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are four gospel accounts. Each of the gospel writers writing either because they were eyewitnesses or they have received eyewitness testimony. It's fascinating when you compare the different accounts, you get the full picture. This morning I'm not going to spend much time in verses 1 through 4, what leads up to the angel speaking, but you see some women going to the tomb. There's an earthquake, the angel of the Lord descends, rolls back the stone. Um, And let me just point out to you, the reason the stone is rolled back is not so Jesus can come out, but so that the people can come in. Because a resurrected Jesus doesn't need the stone rolled away. Because you're reading the gospel accounts of John, the disciples are in a room, the door's locked, and Jesus just shows up. In a body, but it's a resurrected body. So the stone's rolled away, not so Jesus can come out. He was coming out no matter what they did to the stone. But it's so the people could come in to see that Jesus is not there. So the stone is rolled away, right? The angel is there, his appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, Fear comes upon the guards. They become like dead men. We'll come back to them in a little bit. And then the angel speaks. And here's what the angel says to the women. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. They are coming, and we'll talk about why they were there in a moment, but they're there, and the angel recognizes they're there because they're seeking Jesus. So I have a question for you. This morning, and the question is simply this. This morning, what are you searching for? What are you searching for? Every single one of us in this room, those of you watching online, we're all searching and looking for something. Some of you, your regular attenders at Northside, you love Jesus and you're just here to seek his glory and worship him like you do every other week. Some of you were invited by a family member or a friend. Maybe you're far from God or you've just kind of wandered away from God or maybe you just outright don't believe in God. You're looking and searching for something. And maybe you can sing with the, the, the well-known song, and I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right? Maybe you're just desperate, but I'm searching, I'm looking, and I can't find it. What are you looking for this morning? Are you looking for joy, hope, purpose, reason? What are you searching for? Maybe you came this morning and you say, Pastor, I just need hope. I'm feeling hopeless. Maybe peace. There's just chaos and discord in your life, and you just want some peace. Maybe you're exhausted and you just need a little bit of strength. Maybe what you want is love, to feel loved by a boy or a girl or a spouse to love you. You just want to feel loved. Maybe you're searching for purpose. You you feel that you have no purpose, no reason. You're searching for purpose. Maybe this morning, if you're honest, you came looking for forgiveness. There's a sin in your life that's weighing you down. You're in shackles and, and you just need forgiveness. Maybe this morning you're looking for a church. You're in between churches, and you're just looking for a place to belong, a place to plug in, a place to grow, a place where your kids, your students can be loved on. You're searching for something. What are you looking for? The angel recognizes that these women are seeking Jesus. But here's the thing. They weren't expecting to find the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you read the other accounts, what you find is they're actually coming with spices, These women were there the day before when Joseph of Arimathea put Jesus in the tomb so they know where he was buried. They're coming back to finish the process because they they didn't embalm back then. So they're coming, thinking, expecting to find the dead corpse of Jesus to finish the anointing process for his burial. He's dead. But here's the other thing the gospel accounts tell us. On the way, they're having a conversation because they know a tomb, a stone was placed in front of the tomb, They know that it was sealed, and if it was sealed, they were not going to unseal it, and there were guards there. So honestly, I don't know what they were expecting. They came to anoint his body knowing they couldn't get in. The guards weren't going to let them roll it away, and they certainly couldn't roll it away themselves. But they were there, and the angel recognizes they're seeking Jesus. Their faith had been shaken. Their lives had been turned upside down in just a matter of a couple days. And this morning, maybe you would say, Pastor, my faith has been shaken. If you're honest, you're hurt. 
you feel abandoned, disappointed, depressed. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard this story. Pastor, I used to go to church, and then somebody in that church hurt me. Somebody, and I'm not talking about uh, like hurting you physically in that kind of way. I'm, I'm, I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. I'm just talking about they said something to you. They didn't, they didn't treat your family right. Uh, maybe you saw somebody just being a hypocrite. And so you said, I used to go to church, but I've stopped going to church. Can I just fill you in on something? If that's your story, you've placed way too much hope in a man. Your hope ought to be in Jesus, not in a man. Now, I'm not excusing that. But I'm saying maybe your faith has been shaken and you're like, I don't want anything to do with the church because of these people, right? You're struggling, genuinely struggling. You feel abandoned, disappointed, depressed. Listen to Isaiah 55, 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Hear these words. Let him return to the Lord. That he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon If you have walked away from the Lord and you have found yourself back here this Easter Sunday, can I just say that the invitation to you is to return to the Lord, to seek the Lord, and He stands ready to have compassion on you and to pardon you. Why? Because Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So, they're seeking. And when they get there, they see things are not as they thought they were going to be. The stone has been rolled away. And an angel speaks to them. And the angel brings these words that will forever change the course of history. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Here's another question. What in the world are they going to do with that news? How would you, as these women, respond to that news? Expecting to find the dead corpse of Jesus, you are met by a supernatural being, an angel, who immediately says, don't be afraid, because when you see the supernatural, you are afraid. And it says, don't be afraid. And so they hear this news, Jesus is not here, he's risen, he told you that. What do you do? What do they do with that news? And then I want to turn it on you and ask this question, what are you going to do with that news? What are you personally going to do with the news that Jesus Christ was crucified? Pastor Gary brought a great word this morning during the sunrise. It is finished, the telestai. He was crucified, he was dead, placed in a tomb, it was sealed, and he is now alive. What are you going to do with that? Well, let's see from Scripture what these women do with that news and what you and I should do with that news. Number one, I want you to see that you and I are to believe in the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Notice first the invitation. The angel says he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, here's the invitation, come, come and see the place where he lay. I love what the angel says there. Come, I want you to see the place where he lay. Now, there's an argument. Some say the disciples and the women went to the wrong tomb. No, they didn't. Because they were already there. They had been there the day before, the scripture tells us, and the angel says, come see where he was laid. It's as if the angel's saying, hey, listen, ladies, I know this is probably freaking you out, but you're not in the wrong place. Rest assured, he did lay here. You're in the right place. He's just not here any longer because he is alive. Come. This is an invitation. And so what do they do? They see, and we know they believe, and that their lives are forever changed. Mary Magdalene is on the way with these women, John tells us, and then apparently, we're trying to put all this together, when the ladies see that the tomb is rolled away, before the angel speaks, Mary Magdalene must have taken off, because she goes back to get Peter and John, and then as the women leave, Peter and John, they run to the tomb, they look in, and they don't believe right away, they're perplexed what's going on, then Mary Magdalene makes her way back, and the angel appears to her, and then Jesus appears to her, so they believe, they begin to see that Jesus is alive. So what are you going to do? Will you believe? Will you trust? But can I point something out to you? These women weren't the first to see. They weren't the first to see. Because look what verse 4 says. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. The guards are the first to see. They, They hear the earthquake. They see the stone rolled away. They must see the angel. And that moment that it happens, they become paralyzed, stunned, immobilized. It doesn't say they become dead men. They become like dead men. And you know, dead people, right? They don't do anything. They're paralyzed. They don't believe. They don't believe. And listen, it is not for lack of testimony. 
And it is not for lack of intellectual credibility. That's what a lot of people say. Well, I'm just smarter than you. That's why I don't believe. No. They saw with their own eyes something happened. They knew what it was. And they chose in spite of that not to believe. It's not a lack of intellectual credibility or you're too smart for that. It's just downright, the point is you don't want to see. You don't want to believe. Because you're in your sin. You can't see. You're blind. So the Spirit of God needs to open your eyes. And I believe the Spirit of God has been speaking to you and drawing you. Will you believe or will you become like these guards and ignore? And what happens, we'll talk about at the end of the message, if you ignore it. Jesus is alive. He's alive, and they come, and they see, and they believe. And because he's alive, that means, church, there is a future. Amen? There's a future. Look, we live in a world of darkness, despair, and death surrounds us. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his resurrection declares it's not all darkness, it's not all despair, and it's not all death. Jesus Christ has conquered the grave. He has crushed the serpent. He has forgiven our sins, and he has given us life. What do they do? They believe, and their lives are forever changed. What are you going to do with this good news? Well, I pray, number one, you will believe in the good news, and you will live. That you will believe in the good news, and you will live. That you will receive eternal life. We have a scripture, John 11. Jesus said this, uh, verse 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. This should have clued them in that something amazing was going to happen. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Yes, we may die physically, but, but Jesus has promised in Christ we will live eternally. We'll live. You can believe in Jesus and have eternal life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the next screen says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So this morning, believe in Jesus and live but also this morning, I want you to believe in the good news and be changed. I want you to be changed. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the de dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You've got to understand this. This morning, you have the opportunity to begin again, to have a new beginning, to have life, eternal life, abundant life, to be made alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what do they do with this news? What should you do with this news? Well, number one, I want you to believe. Believe. Come to Jesus and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, number two. Number two, what do they do secondly? We continue. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead second thing that they do is they share the good news of Jesus' resurrection. The angel says, all right, you have seen, you have come, he's not here, he's alive. Now what do they do? Go quickly and tell. Tell. I want you to see that this is an imperative. It's an imperative. Now when he says come, that's not an imperative. You don't have to come. You can choose not to come. You can rebel, choose to stay in your sin. But once you come to Jesus... Now you have an obligation. Once you've been changed, he says, ladies, now you got to go and tell. You don't have a choice. You can't stay here. you got to go and spread the good news. This is an imperative. Is it a it's a command. This is life-changing news. It is too good to keep to yourself. You can't keep this kind of news to yourself. I want to contrast this again. So remember those guards in verse 4, when they see they become as dead men? Well, look what happens in verse 11. While they were going, behold, some of the guards went into the city. I assume these are the same guards who were there immobilized. They go into the city, and they told the chief priests all that had taken place. Now, how would you have liked to have been in that room? Because they were afraid the disciples were going to steal the body. That's why they're there. That's why it's sealed. That's why the soldiers are there. And the soldiers come back, the guards come back to be like, yeah, so let me tell you something. Yeah, they didn't take his body, but his angel showed up, and we were paralyzed, the stone was rolled away, and when we came to Jesus, he's gone. He, he's gone. And we saw the earthquake and the angel, and maybe they even said, hey, I got a feeling he's alive. Like, I don't know what they really believed, but they told them what they saw, verse 12. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, look at the word, 
tell. Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. So not only did they not believe, but they then found it to be their mission to try to tear down the good news of the gospel by saying the disciples stole his body. Listen, every single one of us, man, we're telling a story. We have something we believe, something that we're holding fast to, and by our lives and with our words, we are communicating a story. Are we saying to other people, Jesus is alive. He died for me, and he's alive, and that is my story. That's my testimony. What do we do with this good news? We must be a people who tell the good news of Jesus Christ to other people. There's an illustration. You sure heard it before, but I'm going to share it again. An older man was walking the beach at dawn. He noticed a young man up ahead in the distance. He was picking up starfish, and he was flinging them into the sea. Catching up with the youth, he, he, the youth, he asked the young man, Man, what are you doing? And the answer was that the stranded starfish would die if left in the morning sun. The older man said, but, but young man, the beach goes on for miles and miles and miles. There are millions of starfish. How in the world can you make a difference? The young man looked at the starfish in his hand, threw it safely in the water, and he looked at the old man and said, it makes a difference to this one. It makes a difference to this one. Now, this past Wednesday night, if you were here, we were talking about evangelism. The Spirit of God has convicted me that we as the people of God must do, we must be more faithful to tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. We are beggars who have found bread. We are beggars who have found eternal life. And we, now, we must now become beggars who tell other beggars where they can find eternal life, where, where they can find salvation. And so we must do a better job of that. And so we talked Wednesday night about the reasons that we don't. And we have a lot of reasons and a lot of excuses as to why we don't share the gospel. Sometimes I wonder if one of those reasons is because it simply becomes overwhelming to us. It sometimes becomes overwhelming. I mean, look around. We're surrounded by so many lost people who need Jesus. How in the world can you, as one person, possibly make a difference? How? I can tell you how. Because you have heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And you have believed in the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, you need to start praying that God will lay one person upon your heart that you can go tell the good news of Jesus Christ. Just start with one. Ask the Lord to lay one person on your heart who needs to hear that there is hope in Jesus and go tell them. Look, I believe, why not be honest on Easter Sunday, I believe that a church's evangelism is driven by the pastor. And I would love to say that I am an extrovert who loves to talk to strangers and random people and tell them about Jesus. I am not an extrovert. I don't love talking to random strangers about anything. So I struggle with that. So if you struggle, you're not alone. But God has convicted me. So yesterday, we went to look for some furniture. You go into a furniture store, and man, you know those people are going to hound you right off the bat. Our, our, our thing is, we're not looking for anything in particular. We're just here to browse. The guy that introduced himself to us, his name was Aaron. Hey, that's my name. That's cool. So we decided, we, we purchased some furniture, and so he and I were talking, and man, in my mind, I'm like, man, I know I got to do this. I know I got to talk. I know I got to somehow get this to Jesus. I mean, just buying furniture. But if, I know I've been convicted about this. So I'm just thinking. And then he said he used to work in Kentucky. Boom. Got it. I'm from, I lived in Kentucky. God, you're opening a door. So I was hoping. I was praying. I asked him the question. I said, man, what brought you to Georgia? Because I was hoping he would then say, hey, what brought you to Georgia? Wide open door. So I said, man, what brought you to Georgia? Oh, my, my mom lives here. And then he said, hey, what brought you to Georgia? Man, I actually came here because I'm a pastor. I pastor a church. And that became very clear. He said, oh, really, man, I grew up in a church. What church? My, my stepdad's looking for a church. And so because of that, I didn't have to, to share the gospel with him, right? But so he walked away when he came back. And so we had another conversation. And then I just said, hey, man, is there any way that I can pray for you? You know how uncomfortable I was in doing that? I cannot tell you how uncomfortable I was. But when you know, when you know you ought to do it, and you don't do it, then that's sin. 
And so, look, I know I'm beating you up here. You're like, man, I didn't come. I came to be encouraged on Easter Sunday. So, no, man, no, it starts with me. How do we respond to this good news? We must be a people. If we really believe it, we cannot help but tell others. We can't help but to tell other people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And then there's a third way that they respond as we move along here. Number three, rejoice at the good news of Jesus' resurrection. So it says, so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Four times in this text it mentions the word fear. Right, and it even says that they leave with fear. I mean, they leave with this reverence and this, this awe of what's going on, trying to process it, but it says they left with great joy. They left with great joy. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Why are they obedient to share? Because their hearts are filled with joy. See, here's the reason it comes to talking to people about Jesus. You will talk about that which you know and that which you love. And if you know Jesus and love Jesus, then it's just going to be more natural to talk about him. So they, they're overwhelmed with joy, and so they leave. Now, let me, let me quote. I'm going to quote C.H. Spurgeon. You already got a little bit of Spurgeon this morning with Pastor Gary, so let me quote Spurgeon. I love what he says here. He says, He is not here. He is risen. Therefore, I dare not put my heart where my Lord is not. I dare not put my heart where the Lord is not. The Lord is not there any longer. Therefore, their heart can't stay there. They came overwhelmed, faith shooken, like maybe down and depressed. But Jesus isn't there. He's alive. Their heart's not there. Now they're overwhelmed with joy. Church, hear me. I'm just going to preach for just a second. Our joy and our hope and our heart is not in the world. It's not in the government. It's not in health. It's not in finances. And it's not in a relationship. You want to know why? Because those things don't give you hope and joy. If, if the world gives you hope and joy, then guess what the world can do? They can take it right back from you. And you're left hopeless and without joy. If the government gives you hope and joy, then a president, whether it's Trump or Biden, can take it away from you. But I got good news. My hope doesn't come from whoever's in the White House. Amen? They can't take my hope and joy because they didn't give it to me. Listen, if your hope is in your health, then health can take it away. You get cancer. Many of you have dealt with this recently. If cancer gives you joy and hope, then cancer can take it away. But guess what? Your joy and hope doesn't come from cancer. So cancer can't take what it hasn't given you. Now hear me, you know this, it can take a lot, but it cannot take your soul. It can't take your joy because it doesn't come from there. It, can, it doesn't come from a relationship. It doesn't come from your finances. My goodness, if money makes you happy, then money can make you miserable. But joy and hope comes from Jesus. So where is your joy? Where is your hope? Where is your heart? Hear me, church. It's in Jesus, and he is risen. Amen? He's alive. That's where it comes from. So we should be people overwhelmed with joy, thanks, and wonder. All right, one more thing I want to point out here. Verse 10. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. So it starts with, hey, they're seeking. We know, come. And then and they believe, and, and, and they go tell, and they rejoice. And then on their way, Jesus appears to these women. And he says, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Hear me. Seeing Jesus changes everything. June 18, 1990, for the first time, though I'd grown up in church, by the, by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, I saw Jesus for the first time. For the first time. Life has changed. Seeing the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will forever change these men and women. Now notice, notice what Jesus says. Do not miss this. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. Feel the weight of that for a minute. Who's he talking about? The men who abandoned him. Peter who denied him. Go tell those men in my greatest need who just abandoned me. 
You go tell those, those, those kids, those men who think they love me, you go tell them I'm coming. No, he says, you go and you tell my brothers. I'm going to Galilee and I'll see you there. Listen, maybe you've given your life to Jesus and you've walked away. Maybe this is the first time you've been in, inside a church building in a long time. And you think, man, could God possibly forgive me? Could God possibly restore me? Could God possibly love me anymore? Hear me. If he can call those disciples of his who spent three years with him and abandoned him and one of them denied him, if he can still call them brothers, then yes, there is grace and mercy and forgiveness for you. Will you hear him say, my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, will you hear him call you to the Father? Seeing Jesus impacts how we see everything and everyone else. Jesus is the Christ. He is Lord. He is God. He is Savior. And verse 9 tells us they took hold of his feet and they worshipped him because he was worthy. This week I read a sermon by C.H. Spurgeon called A Visit to the Tomb. And I'm going to finish this sermon the way that Spurgeon finished his because he says it a lot better than I ever could. He says, I'm finished. I would to God that all here present had some share in this. You all have a share in dying. There is a tree growing out of which your coffin will be made, or perhaps it is already cut down and seasoning against the time when it shall make you a timber suit, the last suit that you shall ever need. There is a spot of earth that must be shoveled out for you to be laid and to fill up the vacuum. But your soul shall live. Your soul shall never die. Let not those who tell you of annihilation be believed for a moment. It must exist. Put it to yourself whether it shall be with the worm that never dies, the fire that never shall be quenched, or with Christ who lives in his glory and who shall come a second time to give glory to his people and raise their bodies like his own. Oh, it will all hinge on this. Do you believe Jesus? If you do, you may welcome life and welcome death and welcome resurrection and welcome immortality. For if you believe not, then a blast has come upon you. And to you it is terrible to die. It is terrible even to live, but more terrible to die. It will be terrible to rise again it will be terrible to be damned and that forever. God save you from it for Christ's sake. Amen. Listen, if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that He is Savior and the risen Lord, then church, you have every reason to rejoice. For He is not here. He is risen. But if you don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Savior, and the risen Lord, then you have, and I say this with all love, zero reason to rejoice and every reason to tremble. For the Scriptures are clear, you are damned and you are cut off from the life of God. But today, as long as you have breath, you are invited to come and you are invited to see Today is a day of salvation. Today is a day for your sins to be forgiven. Today can be a new day, a new beginning. For today, you can live because Jesus Christ lives. And that church changes everything. 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 So this morning, come and believe. Come and worship. Come and rejoice. And then let us be a people who go and tell that Jesus is alive. If you close your eyes and bow your head. In just a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song that maybe isn't probably typically what we would think of an invitation or a song of commitment. It's going to be an upbeat song. It's going to declare that we are to praise the King because the King is alive. And as we sing, I'm, I'm just going to ask you right where you are to respond. I'm praying that the Spirit of God will, will work in your heart. And as we're singing, if you've never given your life to Jesus, man, I just pray that you would just cry out. All you got to pray is, Jesus, I believe, save me. Maybe, maybe you're struggling and, and needing joy or hope or peace. 
I'm just going to ask as we sing that you would allow the Spirit of God to speak to you when we're done singing. We're going to have a, just a closing prayer. And then I'm just, I'm just going to be available. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to shake hands as people leave. But hear me. If you, if you need to talk, if you need somebody to pray with you, if you need somebody to share the good news of the gospel with you, if you need to be saved today, don't walk out into the parking lot and put it off any longer. Because as long as you have breath, today is that day of salvation. And you are not promised another breath. Pastor Gary will be available. If you want to speak to him, you can find somebody. Any way that we could pray with you. We want to, we, we're available to do that today. But this last song, this is an opportunity for us. In light of what we've already sung, in light of what we've heard, just to stand before a risen Savior and to praise the King. Oh, Father, as we sing this last song, may the praises of your people be lifted high. May they be lifted loud. Because you are alive and that changes everything. And so may our praise come from the depths of our heart as men and women who are thankful and grateful that there is hope in the risen Savior. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand and let's worship together. There's a reason why the curse of sin is broken. There's a reason why the darkness runs from light. There's a reason why we stand here now forgiven. Jesus is alive. There's a reason why we are not overtaken. There's a reason why we sing all through the night. There's a reason why our hope remains eternal. Jesus is alive. Praise the King. He
Sometimes, some of you can relate to this, the hardest step you take is the first step, but it's scary. So this is, this is Ella Mae, mom's over there and, and dad's back there. So Ella Mae, I was singing, worshiping, and she came up and tapped me. And so we were talking. So Ella Mae's now eight. When she was five, she prayed to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so she's been growing in that, but a lot of kids are hesitant about being baptized. Well, she's just been convicted and is excited, and she wants to follow Jesus in baptism. So we all rejoice in that. Look at that. So, so many of these people, they've been praying for you. Many of them have taught you and encouraged you, and so that is so exciting. So we're going to set a date, uh, and she's going to be baptized. Next week, we got a baptism. Where's ben? Is Ben here? Where's Ben at? Ben. Ben's going to get baptized next week, and so we... Had a baptism last week, so that is so exciting. So um, if you see Ella Mae before you leave, if you'll just let her know how excited and proud you are of her, best decision you ever make. Awesome. Because she was so nervous. Good job. You can go sit down. I get you. I get you. So, um, so let me again encourage you. Maybe, maybe God convicted you of something while you were there. Um, I'm going to be available in the foyer. I, you will trump anything else. I'll step away from talking to somebody if you come and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. I need you to pray with me. I'm struggling, and we'll, we'll do that right there. We'll go in the fellowship hall. But don't, don't, if, if God has placed something on your heart, please listen. Be like the women who came and saw and believed, not like the guards who were paralyzed and then begin to, to, begin to deny and, and push it away. Believe. Give your life to Jesus. What a beautiful day. It's supposed to rain later, so enjoy some of this weather today. Uh, we have no activities tonight. Um, now Jesus is alive. Now who are you going to go and tell? Brian, there he is. If you'll close us in prayer, if you'll stand, we'll be dismissed with prayer. Sounds like they're going to tell me. <clears throat> well, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for the hope that we have, dear God, for one reason, uh, that your son, Jesus Christ, is alive, dear God, and is our living hope. Uh, dear God, just as we sang, the world won't ignore it when the saints are roaring. Let our lives um, just display uh, the forgiveness that we have in you, the hope that we have in you. Uh, the thankfulness that we have. Help us to, uh, as Pastor Aaron has encouraged us, help us to share that with one, uh, one another, those that we come in contact with uh, through work or in, in the marketplace. And dear God, thank you for this young one uh, who's come today to follow you in, in baptism. Dear God, who says, I have hope too and, and wants people to, to see that and to, and to be obedient in following you um, through this ordinance. We thank you for that. We just uh, pray that you'll be with us as we uh, spend time with friends and family and uh, throughout the rest of the day. In Jesus' name we pray. 